This is Faith in Action, the program that looks at how ordinary people are putting their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is produced by Catholic Radio Indy. It covers a wide variety of guests and topics. If you have any comments or suggestions for the program, please contact Bridget. That's B-R-I-G-I-D, Bridget, at catholicradioindy.org or call us at 317-870-8400. And now, here's today's edition of Faith in Action. This is Faith in Action on Catholic Radio. I'm Jim Ganley. Our co-host is Bridget Ayer. Hello, Jim. And Bridget, we want to start with a short prayer today. And I found one here that uh, kind of challenges us all to do something that we know we need to do. So, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Make us worthy, Lord, to serve our fellow men throughout the world who live in poverty and die in poverty and hunger. Give them through our hands this day their daily bread, and by our understanding, love, peace, and joy. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, today we're going to be talking about the National Eucharistic Revival that's going to be happening in the next couple years here and how the local church will be involved. Our guest is Rob Hartley. He is the Director of Evangelization, Family Life, and Pastoral Ministries from the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana. Welcome, Rob. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here, Jim. Good to be here, Bridget. And a previous guest. So yes. we've, we've had Jim yeah. before, So uh, and I love talking about evangelization, but it before we got started here, we were actually just joking about how if you work for the church, you you uh, have you maybe have one title, maybe two titles, but you have like three or four jobs, you know. So God God likes to keep us busy, right? That's for sure. And I'm just guessing you're a director of evangelization, family life, and pastoral ministries, and that sounds like three jobs. But I'm guessing there's probably a whole bunch of uh, sub jobs <laughs> underneath each and every one of those. Yeah, particularly the the pastoral ministry covers uh, quite a few other subdivisions: uh, catechesis, liturgy, Hispanic ministry. So yeah, it's it's, oh, it's wow. definitely more than just those three titles. Something drew you to want to work for the church. I uh, worked uh, in ministry. I taught Catholic uh, theology at the high school level, and I also taught. Uh, catechist formation and deacon formation uh, for the Archdiocese of Washington. Wow. So did you grow up Catholic? Uh, nominally, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, we hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. And then and then something happened at what point that kind of maybe drew you in a little closer to an encounter with Jesus? Well, actually, um, you know, I was, as a young adult, uh, I came back to the faith searching for God, and I went to the only thing I really knew, which was the Catholic Church, uh, but was drawn away uh, for, for some years uh, when I went to a Protestant church and uh, the gospel was proclaimed very clearly in a way that I had not heard it before. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that proclamation, uh, I had an encounter with Christ. I, I came to faith, and my, my faith caught fire. Uh, for about nine years, uh, I continued to pursue that, even ministry in um, the Protestant church. Uh, but then eventually uh, I had a conversion back to the Catholic faith when I began to explore uh, the Catholic teachings. And as I explored them, I realized uh, those were very solid arguments. And as I began to sort of intellectually understand it, uh, I was drawn more closely to the faith um, through uh, sacraments and through practice of the faith. Well, what really um, caught my eye, I do read the Catholic moment which and the um, criterion, the two um, Catholic newspapers for both dioceses, the Archdiocese and the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana. 
And I was drawn in by an article that you wrote about this Eucharistic revival that's happening. Um, tell us what it is. It's a national Eucharistic revival. Tell us what it is and how it came about that, that from your perspective. So the U.S. Um, bishops um, believe that, you know, we need to bring the church into a new phase of conversion. And it really is an ongoing process um, this is not something that just comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been in a, a, a place of renewal for, for decades now. And so this is uh, an effort that has been put forth um, as sort of a central piece of this conversion, and that is the Eucharist. The Eucharist has always been um, the source and summit of the Catholic faith. And um, as part of this renewal, um, the U.S. bishops believe that there needs to be a sort of reacquaintance, a... Um, um, a, a new encounter with Christ in the Eucharist. And we do have people who are not Catholic who listen to this show. And so how would you describe our Catholic understanding of the Eucharist? What is the Eucharist and what do we believe it to be? Well, I think uh, the biggest misconception is is that we believe it is in fact Christ. It is Christ uh, crucified, Christ resurrected that comes to us in the Eucharist each and every time we celebrate the Mass. And so um, this, is, this is really what we see in the Scriptures when Jesus says, do this in memory of me. That is what we do each and every time we celebrate the Mass. And, 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 and through that, Christ becomes present to us on the altar. And, and with that, we have a fresh encounter with him you know, on a weekly or daily basis. So I've always heard the joke, you know, that, you know, in maybe other Christian denominations, they have an altar call, an altar call and accept Jesus. Will we actually go up and have an altar call in the sense of we receive Jesus himself um, in the Eucharist? And I, and I don't know who um, told me that at one point, but it's always kind of stuck with me in the sense of um, if you've had that conversion or experience with Jesus outside the Catholic Church and and another Christian denomination, but then you come back to the Catholic faith and you're like, wow, I'm I'm making that quote-unquote decision for Jesus. I'm receiving Jesus. I'm encountering Jesus personally right now as I go up and receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. So I don't know if you've ever heard that um, analogy of the altar call when we go to the Eucharist. Yes, I have actually, and it's interesting because an altar is is there for a reason. It is there for a sacrifice, and one of the reasons, or one of the the themes of the Eucharistic revival, uh, there are three main things that they're looking at. One is uh, increasing understanding of the real presence of Christ. The second is understanding the Mass as a sacrifice, and then third, Holy Communion. The idea of of the Mass as a sacrifice, it's really a two-way sacrifice. It is a sacrifice of Christ— but then, um, as you see in Romans chapter 12, uh, he starts that chapter, Paul starts that chapter with the word, therefore, summing up the previous 11 chapters, <laughs> explaining all the great things God has done for us. And then he says, therefore, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So that's where we join our lives to Christ's sacrifice, and we offer that to God. Yeah, and the and the, the the mass is so rich, you know. When you the more you learn about anything about our faith, it just becomes so rich um, in meaning, and and the things that we do just kind of like maybe haphazardly, just become 
they have more meaning as we learn more and, and understand the depth of everything we do, even though we kind of just have done it our whole lives. You know, if you've grown up Catholic, we're talking with Rob Hartley. He's the director of evangelization, family life and pastoral ministries for the Diocese of Lafayette, in Indiana. And we're talking about this Eucharistic revival. I want to talk a little bit about um, your article and um, the bread of life discourse, you know, in John 6, for people who are scripture people <laughs> that want to know where where this is at. But can you talk a little bit about the scenario? And this is this is one of those Bible scenes that is really has always just been in my mind. Um, you know, there's a few that we all kind of think about, but, you know, where set up the scene where um, Jesus talks about, you know, go, go ahead, I'll let you sure. <laughs> I'll let you tell the story. Well, it's, it's a very rich uh, discourse in John's Gospel, and uh, he starts out by saying that I'm the bread of life, and the key, the key phrasing there is bread of life and faith and belief in the first half. But then midway through it, he switches gears, and he changes it from bread of life to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And so the, the requirement there is, is, yes, faith is still very much a part of it, but there is a, 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 a focusing in on uh, this Eucharistic theme of real presence. And so um, what happens there is it's really a difficult teaching, and people don't understand it, probably rightly so, at that moment in Jesus's ministry. It's easy for us to look back and, and, and kind of get it, but, you know, for them, you know, it's understandable why they were kind of freaking out, you know? Exactly, and I think that's the right word, freaking out. <laughs> I think even Peter, when he responds, to whom shall we go, mm-hmm. you have the words of eternal life, that was a statement of complete faith, because I know he didn't get that. He didn't really understand those words yet, but he trusted the person who said them. So I visualize, you know, this this scene of Jesus saying that, and there's all these people around, and I don't know how many people, but I'm guessing a lot, like maybe hundreds, maybe even thousands. And he says those words, you know, you know, you must basically eat my flesh and, and drink my blood, or I'm paraphrasing that, um, or you have no life within you, or whatever. Maybe that's somewhere else, but and then a bunch of them leave, like basically most of the crowd leave and the disciples are still standing there, like kind of like, I'm not sure what just happened. And then you said that phrase that Peter said, to whom shall you, shall we go? You have the words of eternal Mm -hmm. life. And I think about those words a lot, you know, as, as a Catholic, like, you know, you encounter whatever, you know, maybe it's, you know, just things that have happened in the church that have been maybe a personal experience that wasn't pleasant or something that happened at a school or, you know, whatever, or whatever challenging teaching. And you're just, those words always come back to me, you know, like I'm not going anywhere because who else has the words of eternal life, but, you know, Jesus, you know, really through the church um, as the guardian of truth. So, you know, yeah, I think that that is precisely why those very difficult words are preceded by ch- uh, a number of verses that talk about faith. So I think Jesus was prepping mm-hmm. them for the next part of this discourse, that we're, things are going about to get very difficult in what I'm telling you, because you're not going to be able to understand it. And that is a similar experience that most of us have in our faith life. You are about to go through something that you're not going to understand, that you're going to have to get through you're going to have to trust me. And if you if you read any of the lives of the saints and you 
you know, I mean, obviously, we're looking back at a biography of an entire saint's life, you know, when we, when we read some of these, or an autobiography, or a biography, and you see all the things that they dealt with, and, but they kept going, they kept, they had faith. And, and, and that's why I think the lives of the saints give us so much I don't know, inspiration or courage to just kind of keep it on. And just people that you see in the pew, you know, you might know struggles that they've had, you know, maybe a child died or whatever, you know, and you may, might know there's some of their struggles and, and, they're, and they're still there like every day at mass, like they go to daily mass, you know? Well, I think that's sort of the key. It's, it's, they go to mass. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's the issue is that, uh, the, the, the church is trying to have us understand uh, what the Eucharist is and all the grace that flows from that sacrament uh, in order to enable us to be able to get through those difficult times in life. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Rob Hartley about this uh, Eucharistic revival and what's happening in the local church, and we're going to get into that in the second half. So stay tuned for more. What happens when you support Catholic Radio Indy? Local parishes and organizations have a resource to share their message. Listeners of all persuasions get to hear the unfiltered truths of the Catholic faith. And maybe, just maybe, you'll have a share in saving a soul for Christ. Won't you join our mission? Call 317-870-8400 or give online at catholicradioindy.org. Welcome back to Faith in Action. I'm Bridget Ayer. Jim Ganley and I are in the studio along with our guests. We're talking with Rob Hartley. He is the Director of Evangelization, Family Life, and Pastoral Ministries for the Diocese of Lafayette. And we were chatting on the break, and Jim had a question he wanted to ask. Well, we're hearing a lot about um, Eucharistic events uh, coming up, and we're talking in this program about the Eucharistic revival, but there's also a Eucharistic Congress coming up and that's a couple of years down the road, but what uh, you're talking about, Rob, is more immediate? Uh, well, actually, so the revival is really the, the, the umbrella uh, name for the, ah. the whole initiative, and it's, it covers the full three years. Uh, all of the dioceses or archdioceses in the country are asked to kick off this revival uh, on this June 19th on the Feast of Corpus Christi with a, a diocesan procession. Ours will be in uh, Kokomo at St. Patrick, uh, and so that, that will kick off ours. Uh, now, this, this whole revival will sort of culminate in a Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis in 2024, and it's, it's sort of a, a national pilgrimage to the Congress, and then from there, ascending forth of, of missions, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, that, that uh, result from that. And it's actually a pretty big deal that Indianapolis got the local, I mean, we're the site of the Eucharistic Congress, so people will be coming from all over uh, the United States for sure, maybe maybe elsewhere, um, to attend this Congress. Do you know anything about what will happen at that Congress or what what takes place? I know, and that's <laughs> yeah, that wasn't actually, one of our questions. Yeah, but. actually, that's that's <laughs> that's planning that's a little bit too far ahead for my uh, purview at the moment. Uh, I'm working on the diocesan level. Uh, trying to plan out this first year. Mm-hmm. The second year is at the pa- uh, pa- uh, parish level. Mm-hmm. So uh, you will move down to uh, individual activities at each parish. And that's where this interest in growing a, a grassroots movement uh, 
mm-hmm. in the Eucharistic revival. It really, it can't stay up at the diocesan level. It can't stay at the national level. It has to get down to the individual person. And the only way to do that is to, to reach parishes and families. Mm-hmm. So that's the goal of year two. Mm-hmm. Now, when you hear the term revival, uh, I think of something that uh, is maybe waning or weakening a little bit and needs to be revived or uh, energized or something. Is that the uh, context of the word revival here? I think that's a fair description of it. Um, you know, as, as we've seen over the past, you know, four or five decades, mass attendance has declined uh, significantly. If you go back to the 50s, uh, it was as high as uh, 75% wow. of Catholics attended weekly mass. Uh, moving forward more to current times, we're down to about 30% of Catholics attend mass weekly. So uh, that is just one of the uh, principal drivers of this Eucharistic revival is to sort of reawaken our understanding of the Eucharist in hopes that um, people would would go to receive Christ mm-hmm. and to encounter Christ on a weekly basis uh, like previous generations. Mm-hmm. Well, something that um, you mentioned, I believe, in the in the article that was um, in the Catholic Moment was um, the vision of the movement of the Eucharistic revival is something that, and you know, you mentioned these words healed converted, formed, and united by an encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist and then sent out. And I'm like, that is such a great blueprint. Because, you know, I think if I look back on my own life and people listening, you know, look back on their own life, you know, we all have times when we're wounded, you know, we can receive healing through um, so many different ways, through the church, through retreats, through, you know, the sacraments and just through each other in relationship, Um, converted, that's right. Well, formed. Yeah. I mean, I, I was just sitting here. I was, it was kind of like blowing me away when I was reading this, you know, just a couple days ago. But talk about talk about that. Well, again, that blueprint that you mentioned is is you know is basically a quote from the Eucharist revival um, planning. And so, what they're looking for is that is really the journey of every Christian. Mm-hmm. We're all wounded by sin. Uh, where we uh, need to go through a conversion that is a turning away from that sin and a turning towards Christ. And we need to be formed in the faith so that we learn uh, what it is that we're being called to. And all of this happens through the grace of the Eucharist. We can't do it on our own. It comes from God, the divine life that is given to us in the Eucharist. And um, as we do that individually, we are also doing it collectively as the body of Christ, and that's what brings us into unity. So um, it's really, you know, it, the, 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 the game plan there mm-hmm. is the same game plan that you go back to the, the first day of the, the church. Uh, as you mentioned, Jim, this is just basically a, a uh, reawakening to mm-hmm. that understanding. I, I guess I just got really excited as I was reading that. And I know you mentioned it twice in the article. So then, you know, I was reading it, you know, I'm still reading the article and I'm sitting here thinking, oh, it okay, came, came up again. So I, I just had to write that down because I think if anybody reflects on their own experience um, or maybe they haven't had all these experiences yet, but maybe they want those. I mean, I always think of um, Jesus as, you know, the divine healer, you know, um, he's so many things, but if you think of all the different titles of Jesus that you just can't help but, I guess, be in awe when you reflect on those of, you know, how many things he is and wants to be for us. That's true. And I think more than more than ever, uh, I think we all recognize just how wounded and broken um, we are as a society and how we how wounded and broken we are as individuals. 
And so this is the time to turn. This is the time to come to Christ. Uh, this is the time to receive that love that he offers us each, uh, each time he comes to us in the Eucharist. Now, now you mentioned the procession coming up this month yet, right? Yes, it's June 19th mm-hmm. at St. Patrick in Kokomo. Uh, it's been great working with Father Shockley and his team there. Uh, the bishop will be celebrating the Mass at 8 o'clock, and flowing from that Mass, there will be a procession that goes uh, several blocks um, in Kokomo, and it concludes with uh, some refreshments and some light breakfast afterwards. Mm-hmm. Now that's for the uh, Diocese of Lafayette. Uh, the Archdiocese of Indianapolis will be having something similar but different. That's uh, correct. They'll okay. have their own procession and, on the same day. And, and then after the procession, what's the next step? Well, for our diocese, as I mentioned, we'll have some diocesan events. Right now, we have uh, specific things that we've already planned for on our annual basis that we're just going to weave some Eucharistic threads in. So, for example, we have a three-day summer scripture institute out at our retreat center in Tipton in June uh, 21st through the 23rd. One of those tracks will be specifically on the Eucharistic passages in the New Testament. Uh, We'll also have a Latino youth music society concert in july uh which will be focused on corpus christi and then in the fall we have uh several events our 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 priest retreat will include one of the designated eucharistic uh revival preachers Mm -hmm. and so that will be for them to prepare them for the parish level activities uh in the following year a couple other things that we're doing is our missionary discipleship conference and our hispanic family conference in october both will have eucharistic themes what we hope to do is in the concluding year of the first uh, of the first year, uh, perhaps spring next year, mm-hmm. uh, is to have our own Congress at the diocesan level mm-hmm. as we sort of transition from the diocesan level into the parish level. I know that um, in the Diocese of Lafayette and as well as the um, Archdiocese of Indianapolis that there are many um, chapels that are perpetual adoration chapels that you know people can go and adore. Jesus in the Eucharist, um, right there. Um, talk a little bit about that and how maybe um, you see that as kind of helping us kind of come along in this Eucharist re- Eucharistic revival. Are there um, you know opportunities that you know that maybe you've witnessed or you've had other people that have um, gone to adoration and it's kind of really helped them in their life? Yes, uh, actually, adoration is one of uh, the things that the Eucharistic revival uh, is encouraging, and it's also part of our own uh, United in Heart uh, renewal program in our, in in the uh, the diocese. Um, what I can say about it is, we we talked about the things in the Eucharist, the real presence, the Mass as a sacrifice, that it's Holy Communion. Well, there's a whole second side of that, and that is, what is our response to that? Mm-hmm. And one of those things is Thanksgiving, of course, which is where we get the word uh, Eucharist, or I should say that is the real meaning of the word Eucharist. But the second is adoration, that if this is in fact Jesus our Lord, uh, there is some adoration that, that is due mm-hmm. as a response to that. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in the Catholic faith, we do have Mass, which is where Eucharist adoration flows from. Everything flows from the Mass, from the source and the summit of our faith. But uh, we have the opportunity in those chapels that you mentioned. Uh, some of them are portions of the week. Some of them are full days. Some of them are perpetual, and it's 24-7 uh, opportunities to go and pray in the presence of Christ. And, uh, you know, that is, you know, we are always connecting with God through prayer, no matter where we do it. But uh, 
uh, there's sort of a special uh, an encounter with Christ when you do it uh, in the presence of the Eucharist. And it's really interesting, you know, Jim and I, I, I was just kind of looking through my notes, and I'm up to, I'm getting close to 500 interviews that I've done, you know, just since I've been back to Catholic Radio. I'm, I think I'm in my fifth year now, uh, back the second time around, and um, I'm just always impressed by how many people do go to daily mass that, you know, that we interview in here and that, and I know many priests, obviously they probably say the mass daily. I mean, that's probably part of their thing and um, as, as being a priest, but then how many people that I know and many priests that do a daily hour, holy hour of adoration. And it's just amazing. And, and many of the lay people too, that, that we talk to, maybe not daily, but weekly. And it's just amazing the people that do that daily mass, or, you know, go an hour of adoration at, in the Eucharist, the fruit and the peace and just the ability to do so many jobs, <laughs> you know, when we're working in the church or working in the missionary, as missionary disciples. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, whether, whether, you know, again, everything flows from the Mass, so um, daily Mass is, is your, your strongest form of grace, if you will. Uh, but if you do not have the opportunity to do that, uh, adoration is another way. And uh, like I said, with some of those perpetual uh, adoration chapels, uh, you know, you can fit it to any part of your day. Yeah. You know, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's midnight, you have an opportunity to worship at any time. And, and it doesn't, in adoration chapels, uh, I, I think people tend to think of going for an hour, which is a wonderful thing, but you don't have to go for an hour. You can go for 10 minutes. That's correct. Usually they, they do sign-ups for an hour, but, um, you know, it's not prescribed. This is something mm-hmm. that is a part of a faith walk with Christ. So um, ten, five minutes is, is something that can be life-changing. I know one of the things you mentioned is um, we all need to have a, have a closer accompaniment with, with, with Christ in, in all this. Yeah, so I, I think... Even for those who do go to Mass, sometimes it just becomes ordinary, it mm-hmm. becomes routine, you know, it becomes familiar, and we sort of forget what we're doing. So this revival is also reaching out to those people who um, have just sort of forgotten the beauty of the Eucharist and, and need to take a step back and not take it for granted and understand what it is for them and how it impacts their life. So uh, before we go, um, any resources you want to point people to in terms of like the website? Uh, I think if you go to um, the Diocese of Lafayette's uh, website, or um, actually you can even go to the um, Tipton Joseph St. Joseph Retreat and Conference Center uh, website, those two things you can get connected to some of these events. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. You, uh, I think a safe bet is, is always to go to uh, the Diocesan website. We will keep that uh, updated with all the events that we're hosting for the year. And then in the second year, uh, you would look at your local, your parish, because that's where most of the activities will be focused. And on the um, podcast of this interview, I will make sure that there's a hot link that you can click um, to connect to these things. We are out of time. Our guest today has been Rob Hartley, Director of Evangelization, Family Life, and Pastoral Ministries. Thanks so much for being our guest today, Rob. It's my pleasure, and thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Faith in Action, the program that looks at how ordinary people are putting their faith into action in their everyday lives. 
Faith in Action is produced by Catholic Radio Indy. This program and all Faith in Action programs can be heard or downloaded as podcasts from catholicradioindy.org. If you have a comment or suggestion for guests or topics for the program, please contact Bridget. That's B-R-I-G-I-D. Bridget at catholicradioindy.org or call us at 317-870-8400. This program has been pre-recorded.